It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Stuart Vonney. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. I'm John Saucier. North Korea is trying to spy on us, and they aren't exactly being shy about it. A rocket launched this week that was intended to activate a spy satellite did not go as planned after it failed and crashed into the sea. You know, any improvement in North Korean capabilities, whether it's the reconnaissance or the actual missile systems or their nuclear weapons, obviously is very worrisome. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. North Korean rocket launches have become commonplace these days, but it's particularly interesting when they come right out and say they're trying to put together a spy satellite. They want to get one that would be able to monitor American and South Korean military movements in real time, but Are they even close? I think they are working towards that capability. We're speaking today with Bruce Klingner. He's a specialist in Korean and Japanese affairs of the Senior Research Fellow in Northeast Asia at the Heritage Foundation's Asian Studies Center. Back in January of 2021, Kim Jong-un laid out a list of objectives uh, that he wanted his his military and his uh, his, uh, scientists to accomplish, including a solid fuel ICBM, which we've seen a first test of, uh, as well as other missile systems, and then the military reconnaissance satellite. So they did a partial launch in December uh, and then revealed some photos taken from that, which were really poor quality, and, and people kind of ridiculed them. But then Kim Jong-un's uh, very powerful sister, uh, who's probably second in command in the country, she, she said, look, you know, we're not going to put the expensive satellite on the first launch. Um, so she said the new system would be better. Now, we don't know if they actually had the the satellite on this launch or whether it was still more of a test launch. But uh, they said they're going to look at what went wrong and then as soon as possible, try again. Yeah, I was wondering, this launch obviously failed. It crashed into the sea. Do you think North Korea feels embarrassed by this or is it just kind of part of the process or attempting? They say, as you mentioned, they'll attempt a second launch soon. Do they learn something or is this embarrassing? Well, I'm sure it's a bit embarrassing, but what we've seen is uh, quite a difference between uh, Kim Jong-un and his father, Kim Jong-il. Back then, uh, when all the missile systems were much more in their infancy, uh, they had a much higher failure rate. And when they did fail, there'd be a very long pause before the next one uh, to make it sure they had ironed out all the bugs. And and there were reports that uh, the scientists didn't do well after they had failed and that they were punished. But uh, Kim Jong-un seems to have adopted an attitude of, well, failure is the price of success and uh, no reports of scientists being punished. And what we've seen over the years is uh, even after a failure, fairly quickly, they may try to launch the same system again. And so uh, back in 2017, they had uh, three failed uh, intermediate range missiles called the Hwasong-12. And then they had a couple successful ones that same year. So I, I think Kim will, you know, have a certain pause, but perhaps short as they figure out what went wrong. And then I think they'll they'll try again. And what's worrisome is that if they have a, a reconnaissance satellite, then it'll give them better targeting for uh, targeting information for South Korean forces, as well as U.S. forces stationed there and perhaps also uh, forces in uh, Japan. 
Right, so that is the ultimate goal here of this spy satellite is to figure out exactly where these forces that they may potentially target would be. I mean, how much leverage does North Korea really get from that? Well, not so much leverage in in negotiations, but it's uh, them improving their capabilities and and their reconnaissance getting better enables that uh, the you know large number of new missiles of every range that they've been developing the last few years. Uh, could have greater targeting against our forces or our allied forces. So, you know, any improvement in North Korean capabilities, whether it's the reconnaissance or the actual missile systems or their nuclear weapons, obviously is very worrisome. Yeah, absolutely. And it was worrisome of the reaction in South Korea. We had reports that air raid sirens were going off in Seoul. It set off a little panic at the time that people didn't know maybe this is North Korea finally launching missiles against us. How should people in South Korea view this but also feel about this? Well, the, the alerts going off certainly caused uh, you know, chaos, if not panic, for some, uh, and, and they weren't very well crafted. It was sort of a, you know, presidential alert uh, or wartime alert, uh, and you should evacuate. People were kind of like, well, what? <laughs> what are we evacuating from, and right. where are we supposed to go? So they kind of quickly shut it, shut it down and said, well, it was a, a mistake, but uh, there have been those kind of alerts. Uh, there was one in Hawaii several years ago where it was a mis- North Korean missile inbound. You've got like 20 minutes. Uh, and it turned out you know, it was a, a false alarm, but certainly uh, gets people's hearts pumping. Um, but you know, it, what it does show is that perhaps not for the reconnaissance satellite, but for all these other offensive missiles that are being developed, uh, that the U.S. and its allies have to have sufficient deterrence and defense measures. And that's not only having our offensive weapons to deter North Korea, but also uh, improve missile defense systems. And, and the U.S. and South Korea and Japan have all been doing a lot to improve both the offensive and defensive capabilities. North Korean rocket launches tend to make people nervous. A failed one this week has our attention. The reclusive regime is attempting to launch a spy satellite that they say will monitor U.S. and South Korean military movements in real time. The launch failed, the rocket crashed, but the world took notice as the North Korean military capability continues to evolve. We're speaking about it today with Bruce Klingner. He specializes in Korean and Japanese affairs and is a senior research fellow for Northeast Asia at the Heritage Foundation's Asian Studies Center. Ahead, we'll talk about what the political structure looks like right now in North Korea. Not only offensive capabilities for the United States, but let's just say, for instance, North Korea does launch something and they say they get a spy satellite up there. What do you think the U.S. response would be? Can we bring more tougher sanctions against North Korea? Can we raise more international awareness? Is there something else? Well, right now, China and Russia have been very obstructionist uh, at the U.N. Security Council, and they prevented uh, a number of uh, initiatives by the U.S. or others last year in response to 69 or more ballistic missile launches, all of which are violations of 11 U.N. resolutions. Um, In the past, both China and Russia would, when North Korea did something particularly egregious, like a nuclear test or an ICBM test, you know, they would allow incrementally stronger resolutions with accompanying stronger sanctions. But now, given the tensions between Washington and China and Washington and Russia, uh, they've gone back to being obstructionist. Now, that said, you know, we don't necessarily need new authorities because there's a lot that could be done under existing authorities. And what we've seen is, is successive U.S. administrations of both political parties have not even fully enforced U.S. laws. There are a number of entities, North Korean, Chinese banks and businesses and other countries uh, that we could 
a sanction under existing authorities, but for whatever reason, we, we've held back. I think some of it is trying to have something, you know, in the drawer to pull out when they do the next provocation. Uh, the three allies have said that when they, if they do the long predicted seventh nuclear test, that, you know, we have a you know, massive amount of sanctions we're going to impose or some, some terminology. You know, all of those we could be doing today, but we seem to be saving them as a diplomatic gesture. And, and we've seen that over the years as we sort of hold things back as a way of, of having them as a, a negotiating uh, measure rather than fully enforcing our own laws. It really is like playing a card game, right? You're saving your best card for when you might need it. But in this instance, the cards are things like, you know, nuclear weapons and so on and so forth. We're speaking today with Bruce Klingner. He is a senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation for Northeast Asia and their Asian Studies Center. Now, Bruce, I found one of your comments off the top of this conversation pretty interesting that the sister of Kim Jong-un actually advised them not to put the good satellite on the initial rocket launch there. And it had me wondering just what this power structure looks like in North Korea. We've heard a lot about the sister of Kim Jong-un and her growing influence, maybe even his children as well. Is there tension between the sister and the leader? Is he using her an advisor? What does that look like? Well, the the short answer is is we don't know or we're not sure. Um, but certainly in the last several years, the sister uh, has, has really come out of the shadows. In the past, she seemed like perhaps just an assistant. Um, but she is coming out like the pit bull and issuing uh, statements in her own name, which is pretty unusual and shows that she has a lot of power. Uh, and her, her titles may not sound impressive, but you know what she is doing is reflective of being quite powerful behind the scenes. So we think she is uh, likely the, the second most powerful person uh, in, in North Korea. Uh, and Kim doesn't see her as a threat to his rule. Now, we've also seen the, the daughter being uh, rolled out or brought out for uh, accompanying him on a number of, of military missile launches or, or other military parade displays. Uh, she's only 10, and so uh, it's certainly too early for her to be uh, you know, seen as, as the next in charge. So perhaps if Kim Jong-un died tomorrow, the sister would take uh, power, and then maybe somewhere down the road, the daughter but there's also uh, indications that he has a son who is older than the daughter. And my sense would be uh, he may be being groomed and is being kept under wraps until he's more of age. And then he would be revealed, as they have in the past when the new leader is being brought out, is sort of in a very impressive way where even seasoned generals are amazed by his capabilities, et cetera. So I think in the near term, it would be the sister. And over the long term, I think it would be more likely the son uh, who's still in the shadows. Bruce Klingner, who is specializing in Korean and Japanese affairs and the Senior Research Fellow for Northeast Asia, the Heritage Foundation's Asian Studies Center. A lot to discuss here today, Bruce, and thanks for your insight on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition podcast. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. 
Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.